you've lost your inner pirate. Uh, you know, sword, have you ever heard swing your sword? You're supposed to swing your sword like this. You're swinging yours like this. I mean, uh, you've got to find your inner pirate. A lot of times things just happen for a reason. We don't know why God wants it that way, but you can't make the best out of it until you get back your inner pirate. You might be the luckiest man alive and not even know it. So, you know, at the end of the show, usually every week, we all, uh, we come together and we do a pour one out, cut them off segment. Uh, this week, obviously with circumstances in the world being a little, a little bit different, uh, we're going to come together collectively here, um, just as a group and pour one out, um, for our respects and respectfully for, uh, the pirate, uh, Mike Leach. Um, unfortunately, very sad news. Passed away yesterday, uh, Monday, uh, December 12th. Just very, very unfortunate news and a situation that kind of broke quickly um, all weekend, or at least all day Sunday and, and into, into yesterday. Uh, I mean, he was at practice on Saturday, so this all happened really, really fast. But um, very, very, very sad news. You know, Wit, I'll ask you first, uh, just what are your thoughts on, on Mike Leach's legacy and, and where he sits in terms of coaches and where they rank and just about the character that he was, you know, for all of us as college football fans? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where I'd rank him in terms of like, you know, like as successful coaches. Um, I mean, I think he was very successful. I thought he did a really good job at all the schools he went to, but I rank him number one in character, that dude. He was one of the funniest college football coaches that I have ever had the pleasure of following on social media and seeing what he does and press conferences every week uh, from him having cameos with Friday Night Lights and getting into sending letters to the president. I don't know if y'all saw um, the tweet that came out after uh, Matt, you might have, one of y'all might have put it in the group message, um, but he was sending in like economy plans on like how we need to improve the government and all this stuff. And, and I, I mean, he's, he's just, he was just a character and all around. I mean, seems like he was a great guy based on what everybody was talking about. And he will, uh, he'll definitely be missed in the college football world. Yeah. I, I actually texted that. I put that in the group chat because that is a personal story. A guy that I worked with was on staff with Mike Leach at Valdosta state. Um, back in, the early mid nineties. And, uh, he, I mean, Mike Leach was just very authentically Mike Leach. Like he, he didn't, you can't act the way that he did and not be authentic. Like I read, uh, there was a, a, a piece by Jason Jinx and the athletic that came out a couple years ago and it said, what the f is going on in the Mike Leach quarterback room? And that's literally the title of it. And it was awesome. It was like all the quarterbacks that played for Leach at Washington State just sitting down and explaining like quarterback meetings that they had. And like obviously everybody saw the interviews. Everybody saw the things that Mike Leach would do. I think my favorite story, though, is the one that I heard today that I texted you about, which is he they would have the TV on in the meeting rooms. 
he sees a thing on the news that made him mad. So he called the White House while they're in a staff meeting. He calls the White House and gets put on hold. And, you know, obviously he keeps getting bounced around from from person to person. And ultimately, after six hours, like they'd been there since like seven in the morning, putting together like offensive stuff. The, all the other coaches were like, Mike, Mike, we're going to lunch. You are, do you want to come with us? And he was like, no, I'm staying right here. Well, they get back like an hour later, and he's still on hold, and he's like absolutely chewing this guy on the phone, just giving him a, his two cents. And then he goes, you know what? Just where's Bill? Just because Bill Clinton's in office at the time. He's like, Where, where where's Bill? Let me talk to old Bill. I got a, I got a plan that it's going to help restore this. Everything's going to be great. We've got this. It's going to be fine. And the guy was like, you're not talking to the president. And ultimately, he gets the junior assistant chief of staff. Uh, so it's, you know, a peon. But it's the as close as you're getting to the president. And uh, Mike Leach gives him a thing. And then a couple weeks later, uh, he gets a package from the White House as a coffee mug with a presidential seal and the White House pin and all this stuff. And then, lo and behold, he uses that to go on a four-hour tangent in an offensive meeting with the team about how economic prosperity in this country and, pro and patriotism matters. See, that right there, Matt, is honestly just one of the the many stories like that, that we got to witness with Mike Leach. Um, you know, I don't think Mike Leach – his record was what it was. I mean, at the end of the day, Mike Leach was a – I believe he was one. I want to get this correct. I think it was 159 and 103. No, 158 and 107. So I was a little bit off. Um, so, I mean, he had a lot of losses. Uh, I know, like, we've talked about it on the show before. Like, when we would break down Mississippi State games that, you know, with Mike Leach, you're going to get you're gonna get a win they shouldn't get, like, during the season at some point. But then you're going to get a loss. Just, like, that's inexcusable. Um so, you know, I, I think in terms of, of on-the-field product, like, there was a lot left to be desired. But, I mean, that's not what this is about. Like, at the end of the day, like, he was a good coach. He was a very solid coach. I mean, every program he was at, Texas Tech, in the Big 12, Washington State in the Pac-12, and, and Mississippi State in the SEC, like, these were programs that that never were historically – in the tops of their conference and Mike Leach went in there and had a winning record at all of them. Um, I think we can all go back and remember the year that Texas tech had in 2008 um, when Michael Crabtree in that fantastic game against, against Texas, what an unbelievable, unbelievable moment that is in college football history. Um, you know, the, the classic mustaches with him and Gardner Minshew at Wazoo. Um, and even some of the things that happened at Mississippi state, like just the man was an unbelievable character and an absolute, absolute gem and attribute to the sport of, of college football. Um, I, I think Lane Kiffin, I think Lane Kiffin said it best. Like I can't imagine a world without Mike Leach in college football. And that's how much Mike Leach's character and the person that he was, like in the offensive mind that he was, that's how much he meant to college football. Um, you know, at the end of the day, college football lost its its greatest personality. Um, you know, from him doing the weather at Texas Tech to saying that everybody has their clothes on, so it's like Woodstock out at Bolton, out uh, in Washington State. Um, 
to his Friday Night Lights cameo appearance. Um, just a fan, a fan, fantastic, fantastic character for college football, and and he will surely, surely be missed. And you know, it just it's it's a sad day for college football when you look at the guy who has produced in his coaching tree: Dave Aranda, Sonny Dykes, Dana Holgerson, uh, Ken Wilson, who's the head coach currently at Nevada. Um, and also players that played for him like Neil Brown, West Virginia's current head coach, Josh Heupel, Cliff Kingsbury, and even Eric Morris, who North Texas hired today. Um, a lot of minds in college football, and, and Mike Leach would definitely leave a, a lasting legacy on, on the game for sure. He was undeniably respected by all the coaches in the league. And uh, let's not forget, Chad, also Lincoln Riley, um, mentored Lincoln Riley to where he yeah, is today. True. Yeah, sorry, I missed that one. Yeah, very good. And you can't forget the Cotton Bowl caper. Where Mike Leach created an entire fake play call sheet just to score 17 unanswered on Texas to start off the game. (laughs) (laughs) You know what has to go through someone's mind to create an entire fake play call sheet? Like a fake script? That's... You got. I mean, you got to make a real one too. <laughs> oh my gosh, that, he, dude! Well, he, that's that's the, so funny. That's the crazy thing about it is, is, like anybody who like follows college football like closely knows that like that little one sheet in Mike's Le- Mike Leach's hand literally had like seven or eight plays on it, like maybe front to back. But he was so innovative in the offense that they just ran those same seven or eight plays over and over again with just different looks with different looks and different timing schemes and things like that. Like to the fact that he would go out of his way to like make, make an extra playbook that doesn't even exist. That probably had honestly probably just had about seven or eight plays on there as well. Like it's just, Oh man, it, it really is. It's a sad day. He was, he was great. I think the part of his legacy that's going to be, that was the most impactful on college football is obviously the spread offense. I mean, he is the mastermind behind it. He's the creator of it, and every variation of it that is pretty much spun off of it is credit to Mike Leach. So what you see modern offense-wise in college football is is Mike Leach. Like, Texas Tech offense was – they didn't have great players there. Like, I mean, Michael Crabtree was really good. Graham Harrell was good, but none of those guys that he had at Texas Tech were were massive – highly rated players and that's kind of how he was everywhere he went you know Gardner Minshew was not a highly rated quarterback coming out of high school uh and he just took like guys guys like that implemented this offense and won and then people you know obviously the air raid he was a little more extreme in that regard but his whole concept of spreading the field with five wide receivers was something that a lot of people in college football had never seen before uh, especially in the age of the power eye and a lot of pro style uh, H back one back formations, quarterback under lining up under center, uh, he was the inventor of what the modern college offense looks like. And so, as far as legacy goes, and I know you mentioned this to Wit, um, I just think that his his legacy is beyond wins and losses and beyond. It, his impact was so vast that it he he changed college football forever. Yeah, I think one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite Mike Leach moments was I don't <laughs> even know I don't even know the full quote. I know it was something about eating like 
banana sandwiches, sitting under sandwiches. a tree, hanging out with your with their fat little girlfriends, and he went on this whole spiel. Uh, when he was at Texas Tech, he went on a whole spiel about as coaches, we need to be, uh, we need to somehow find a way to get through to our students or to our uh, players the same way that their fat little girlfriends get through to them. He said the fat little girlfriends have many advantages, such as you know this and this and this and whatnot, but. He and he went on this whole thing. Like the fat little girlfriends thing to me is just so funny. Like where, who who else in college football or honestly just anyone in general would come up with just some random saying like that? And what's funny is is he's just, and he recruited better than most other coaches too. And it and it's because of crazy stuff like that. I mean people people like that he was so authentic. Like that he was just so funny and it seemed like it was easy to get along with. And he's a uh, yeah, he's he's absolute character, absolute players coach. Yeah, absolute, absolute players coach. And and I think, and, and I'll just reiterate this one more time. I, I think the one thing that'll make him so underrated is, is the fact that he never had a top tier job. I mean, he always had a power five job that was kind of in a mid tier, you know, like your ceiling at this program is seven and five, eight and four, you know, whatever. Um, but man, this guy won 10 games at Texas Tech. He won 11 games at Washington State and at one point had them in contention for the college football playoff um, in 2018. Um, Didn't really get an opportunity to see um, what could or couldn't have been at Mississippi State. But, I mean, he pretty much gave you the results that people at Mississippi State are are looking for. So if you want my honest opinion, I I think that if it ever came down to it, I I think Mike Leach – needs to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, I saw a tweet today from Josh Pate that said that he doesn't qualify because he did not win 60% of his games. But I think if you look at the three universities that he did coach at, whose histories are not very, you know, they're not very successful histories. And what he was able to do with those programs, and like I said, have a winning record at all of those programs, he revived football at Wazoo. Like, Wazoo was was nothing. Um when he, until he got there. Um, but, but I think there needs to be an exception made for Mike Leach into the College Football Hall of Fame simply for the character that he was. And, and again, we cannot penalize him for his record because at the end of the day, Mike Leach never coached at a Texas. He never coached at an Alabama or a Georgia or a Notre Dame or a Florida or wherever. So I think that needs to be remembered. And like I said, he revolutionized college offenses forever i mean that that's more important than wins and losses but you know uh I, I think we could go on for hours and hours and hours of just mike leach stories one after the other uh it is terribly terribly sad that that he is no longer with us and quite frankly i can't think of another time in, in my life where a sitting Power Five head football coach had something like this happen uh, while they were the sitting head coach still, uh, and now a program has to uh, play in a bowl game without their head coach and and eventually try and figure out what what moving forward looks like. Um, so it's just a terribly sad time for his family, uh, for the the for Mississippi State and all the players that he impacted over the years. Um, but no, they'll, they'll have to figure, figure, figure out what's going on from there. And hopefully his, his, uh, family is, uh, you know, 
going to get the privacy they need while they grieve. Yeah, and I'll say just based off of following the whole story on Twitter, it seemed like Mississippi State and all the writers that were following the news did a really good job of staying out of the family's way with them talking about, you know, what all was going on and them wanting to say their goodbyes to Mike. And um, I think they had like a six hour family long meeting yesterday before they actually came out and gave away the news. Um, I know there were some people that were tweeting about it and we, we can talk about them later, but um, the people that were actually a part of the story, uh, it seemed like they did a good job of keeping the whole situation private for the family and following the family's wishes on it. And I think that's, uh, that's something that's really important for, an event like this to happen. But I think I speak for all three of us when I say, you know, we're, we're praying for the entire Leach family, the entire Mississippi state family. And regardless of who we're fans of, we're, we're all, we're all hurting. So, you know, we're definitely going to miss all Mike Leach. Pour one out for you coach. Pour one out for Mike, but moving on. Uh, we did have some college football awards get um, presented last week. I think, I guess it was Thursday they came out and then, Saturday, we had the Heisman Trophy ceremony, and what I would call maybe the biggest snubbing of all time was Stetson Bennett not walking away with the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> um, but Caleb Williams did win it. Uh, he had an incredible first uh, first year at USC, almost led them to a playoff before losing to Utah, and uh, he came away with the award, even though he paints his nails weird. So I liked that uh, the statement in his speech a lot about, you know, I may be up here, but the rest of you get to go to the playoff. You know, that I, was really And funny. I think he's the first player to ever win the Heisman and say that to the other guy. And, and it might be the first time that a player won it. I believe this. When the other three um, who were um, first, yeah, the other three were actually playing in the playoff and that one player was not. Typically, I feel like they give it to somebody who's going to the college football playoff. Unless it's just like an unbelievable season like Lamar Jackson or somebody. But... Either way, yeah, I mean, he definitely deserved it. Had a great year. Stats were really good. Um, I, I I would consider him the best player in the country, or at least the best quarterback, which ends up being who wins the award anyway. So congrats to Kayla Williams. He deserved it. What were your thoughts on uh, Jalen Hyatt winning the Blinklehoff Award? <laughs> the, the, it's the Belentnikoff, actually, Chad. Um, educate yourself. And also, uh, I would, you know – uh, I actually watched the college football awards with my roommate who of course is a big Ohio state fan. We've talked about him a couple of times. He was very, very, very upset. He was, he was pretty mad that Marvin Harrison jr. Did not come away with it. And honestly, you know, he had a little bit of an argument. Marvin Harrison jr. Had a really good year. Um, stat wise, Jalen Hyatt was still better. Um, I would say if I was going to draft one of them, I'd probably draft Marvin Harrison jr. Over Jalen Hyatt, but Jalen Hyatt this whole season was brilliant. I mean, I, I would say out of all the receivers I watched, the best game from a receiver this entire season was against Alabama for Jalen Hyatt. He went ballistic. He's a great route runner. He he knows how to get open, and uh, he's he's made some really good catches too. I, I'd say he definitely benefits from Heupel's offense and the fact that Hendon Hooker, when he was healthy, was having such a great season. Um, but Jalen, Jalen Hyatt deserved it. I know you were making a joke, but I did want to give my synopsis of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I have I think if I have any issues with with any of the awards that were given out because well first of all uh, the Heisman is without a doubt a quarterback's award um, and Caleb Williams proved out of those four people that were nominated to to be in New York that he was definitely definitely the better of the four I, I mean in my personal opinion if if I had a vote I would have voted for Max Duggan 
just because in you know to me the Heisman is you know the the man if who if you took them off the current team they played for would would make that much of a difference. Um, I, I think if you took Stetson Bennett and C.J. Stroud off of Ohio State and Georgia, that there wouldn't have been much of a difference. Uh, I, I think Max Duggan, if you took him off of TCU, there would have been the biggest difference. But you know, I don't have a vote, and and my personal personal preference isn't how the Heisman is voted on. Um, so I can't really I can't really complain there. I think Caleb Williams was was definitely deserving. If I have any issues with any of the awards, though, and I'm not saying this at all because I'm biased, but I don't think Kirby Smart should have been SEC Coach of the Year. I don't know how you don't give that to Josh Heupel. And I hate Tennessee just as much as everyone else. But, you know, Kirby's a defending national champion. He ran through the East. Okay, they did what they were supposed to do. You don't give people trophies for doing what they were supposed to do. You give Josh Heupel a trophy for, you know, I mean, even you could, in my opinion, you could have thrown Shane Beamer's name in there too. I mean, Shane Beamer derailed Tennessee and Clemson season back-to-back weeks. So, like, I just I don't get that one. Uh, and again, that's not me being not me being biased. I'm not sitting here crying for Billy Napier to get it because that's just that's never going to happen. But I don't understand how you vote Kirby Smart over a Josh Heupel or even a Shane Beamer. Chad, I do think you're being biased. I'm extremely offended by you uh, throwing out some slander on my boy Kirby. Um, com- I'm completely kidding. I I do think I think Kirby deserved to be in the conversation, but I think you're right. I mean, Josh Heupel, what he did at Tennessee this year. Um, was phenomenal. I mean, before Hendon Hooker went out, they were a playoff team. I think if they – obviously, the Hendon Hooker injury did not really affect the outcome to the South Carolina game, in my opinion. Um, they would have lost that game regardless. But if they would have won that South Carolina game, which would have, could have, should have, whatever, they would have made the playoff. They weren't going to lose to Vanderbilt. Uh, they would have been an 11-1 team. And to me, the resume for 11-1 on Tennessee versus 11-1 Ohio State would have been it, – it's a no-brainer. Um, so Josh Apple did a really good job. I mean, the, his only real loss, of, in my opinion, wasn't Black Magic, because I think South Carolina game was Black Magic, was against the number one team in the country uh, coming into the playoffs. So he, he did a really good job. I think Shane Beamer as well. Um, you're right. What he did at the end of the season was phenomenal. Uh, knocking off Tennessee, knocking off South Carolina, and now he's got a chance to play Notre Dame. So um, it's uh, he's, he'll have a good end of his second, career, uh, second year of his career at South Carolina. And uh, shoot, I mean, he might even win nine games. Who knows? So I think he has a really good chance to beat Notre Dame. So I'd say either one of those guys deserve it. But you also got to say Kirby Smart. I mean, he had the most players drafted in his single draft last year. He lost, I mean, what was it, seven first-rounders? Um, all from the defense. And they turn around, it's a top-five defense again. So I, I think you got to give him a lot of credit. But I do think you're right. I, I would say what Josh Heupel did, what Shane Beamer did, that's that might be more impressive. At least, at least Heupel. I don't know about Beamer. I'm going to be the old man that yells at clouds for a minute because I'm so frustrated that the Heisman has become a quarterback award. Just get rid of the Maxwell. Just get rid of it. Throw it out. Uh, you know, I was thinking that too. Why do we have both? What's the point? Like, I know I know it's differently. It's voted by different parties, and I think that's why. But it's like, why do we need an AP player of the year and like a Heisman overall player of the year? It's like, yeah, you know, the Heisman's Max, overall Max, player. Anyway. Max Duggan won the, the Maxwell. No, he didn't. Caleb Williams did. What list did I Max, read? Max Duggan, Max Duggan won the Davey O'Brien, which is hilarious. Max Duggan won QB of the year, and Caleb yeah, Williams won player of the year, and then and then Caleb Williams won the Heisman, which is most outstanding player. Which I don't know. It just it makes no sense. Like all of the, the awards make no sense because you've got the Maxwell, 
which is no. But how are you? I guess my issue with the Heisman and then the like the Heisman's a quarterback award, the Maxwell's a quarterback award, the Davey O'Brien's a quarterback award, but Max Duggan wins quarterback of the year, but he, and so he's the best quarterback in the country, but he's not the best player in the country. And a different quarterback won the best play, the most outstanding player in the country, who is also a quarterback, but he didn't win the. Uh, I'm sorry, I need a little consistency here. I just it just it just bothers me, and it bothers me that you have no chance at, at this point unless you have a season like Devonte Smith, where you just put up astronomical numbers. And honestly, that probably wouldn't have happened. And Mac Jones would have won it if Jalen Waddle had not been hurt that year, because then Devonte Smith would have split stats with Jalen Waddle. So it just, it's just, it's bizarre to me that they've, de- they've decided that, you know, I'm not voting for anybody other than a quarterback because, you know, Blake Corum not being in the final, in the, in the top four finalists, that I mean, that's crazy to me. I think Kendon Hooker, too. I know a lot of people, obviously, I'm a Georgia fan, so I was happy Stetson Bennett was there. But a lot of people were saying Hendon Hooker completely got snubbed. I didn't even realize that he ended up fifth in voting. So he was one couple, I mean, one spot away from being there in New York. Um, and just enough people took him off their ballot after he got hurt to get Stetson there instead. Uh, which I was actually pretty shocked by. I was happy Stetson was there. I think Stetson absolutely deserved a little bit of recognition to be there, um, but not over Hinton Hooker, in my opinion. He had it won until he got hurt. Um, and so I, I think he, him and Blake Corum at least should have been invited to New York. Um, I think Kayla Williams winning it was perfect. I understand it. Um, I'm, Max Duggan, I think, had a really good case as well. C.J. Stroud, honestly, I thought he was going to win it up until that game against Michigan. I think people just threw him off the ballot after they lost that one. Um, I still think he's a good player, too, but I would take Caleb Williams over him in a heartbeat. But Hinton Hooker, Blake Corum, the only reason they weren't there was because of injuries, and I think that was kind of stupid. See, isn't, isn't that the problem, though, that we have in college football? It's like Matt was talking about last week. Like, we're so reactionary. Like, we're extremely reactionary to just take – to just take one game off a team's schedule and just toss them over to the side. You know what I mean? It, like We did it last year with Clemson, and then as soon as Clemson lost to Notre Dame this year, everybody just tossed them and threw them off to the side again. And, and I think that that's valid in a sense because Clemson has struggled. But, like, you can't look at these teams and see 10-3 and three season and then an 11-2 ACC championship season follow it up and go, ah, you know, they're done. Like, you can't do that. And – and I think that's the problem with some of these awards is that, you know, Hendon Hooker got hurt. And, yeah, he struggled against South Carolina, and he got hurt late in the game. So he was in the game. And he struggled against Georgia as well. But then you just toss him off to the side like, like they didn't have nine other games that he was a part of. You do the same thing with C.J. Stroud because he struggles in one game against Michigan and, and loses. So we just, nope, you don't get the award. Well, and it's funny too, Chad, to, to your credit, I mean – Caleb Williams had some bad games at the beginning of the year. He had a couple games where he didn't even go over 200 yards. But his last couple games of the season, he went for over 300 and then ran for like 90 or over 100 or whatever. And like even against Utah, when they lost that game, he still went off and he went off on a on a hurt leg or hurt knee. So it's like, right. it's, it's not like C.J. Stroud or 
Hendon Hooker, if he would have stayed healthy, put up worse stats than Caleb Williams did game by game. It was just the fact that Caleb Williams was playing better, putting up better stats down the stretch. Um, but I mean, like I said, I right. still I think he's a great player. If you took Caleb Williams, put him on any other team, I think he improves everyone. Um, to what you said about Max Duggan, take Caleb Williams off USC. I don't think they're as good as they are. I think they were that good this season because they got Caleb Williams to come over. I know they had the receivers. I know they had the running backs. I know they had Lincoln Riley. But Caleb Williams, in my opinion, made or broke that team. Right, and and, and that's that's the point I was trying to make. Is it's like what is what is the definition of the Heisman? I mean, I know there is a definition of the Heisman. I can't recite it, but I don't know what it is. Is it the best player in the country? Is most it outstanding? Is, yeah, most outstanding. Thank you. Okay, most outstanding player in the country. But like Whit just said, not all these guys are perfect for twelve weeks, right? Like this is a grind. You've got to go through eight, nine game conference schedules, and some of these teams, you know, schedule these big P5 matchups early on in the season, like, you know, Georgia and Oregon. And Stetson went off that game. And and so it just – I don't understand, like, why we, we seem to be judging these guys on a game-to-game basis and not having a clear definition of what the Heisman is. Because if it's supposed to be the most outstanding player in the country, why isn't Will Anderson involved in the conversation? That's a, that's a real thing. Like, why wasn't Blake Corum involved in the conversation? Like, to me, like, I honestly believe the definition of the Heisman should be the player who, if you took him off that team, was so game-changing that it hurts the team and changes the outcome and the direction of their season. And I really think that if you ask me personally, this year, I think that's Max Duggan. But that's also a quarterback. But, again, when did this become a quarterback's award? I, I don't get it. The Heisman needs to be redefined. Just – it's very much like the MVP debate whenever you talk about Major League Baseball. Uh, a lot of times they're like, oh, you know, there will be a guy that has an outstanding month of September. And honestly, is it fair? No, but if you have an outstanding month of April and then you are status quo for the rest of the season, you're gonna not win the you're not gonna win the MVP if there if there's a guy who is status quo for April through August, and then has an outstanding September. It's it, it's it, we are humans, and one of one part of human nature is recency bias. It's part of the reason I think Stetson was invited, anyways. To to, to begin with, is people looked at Championship Weekend, and I think that there were a lot of people that said, "Hey, this guy won the Natty last year. He just won the SEC championship, and he dominated against LSU. I've I've got to put him on my ballot." But if you look at Stetson's body of work, he had a five-game stretch where he was a, 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 an equivalent quarterback to Jackson Dart against common opponents. So you you can't – like to me, it's if you're, if you're looking at body of work, uh, you're, you're, you can't expect a college kid to be perfect for 12 consecutive weeks. It's just not going to happen. You're talking about 18 to 22-year-old kids. I mean, God, whenever I was – that age, I wasn't even on the football field and I was not a creature of habit to a point where I was consistent on that high of a basis. But I can imagine the with the amount of pressure that they're under, plus the money that they're making now, you know, that makes it even harder, in my opinion, for them to be so consistent. And I also think we're a little bit spoiled because we're used to every single year there's a guy who just kind of takes the Heisman. He just reaches out and takes it. In the past two years, 
have been very underwhelming years from the Heisman standpoint. Like there hasn't been that guy who going into that day, you're like, I guarantee you that this guy is going to win. I mean, like for the, for the better part of my life, I can, I knew going into it, who was going to win. And there was a clear favorite because they were the most outstanding, like Cam Newton, Cam Newton, the year he won it, most outstanding player in the country. Wasn't close. Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, Tim Tebow, Johnny Manziel, like they all had those moments and that, that stuck out, but they also had years where they just were like, hey, I'm not going to let anybody even come near or compete with me. I am the most outstanding player in the country. And I feel like we've gotten, we, we just haven't had that guy. And is that because maybe there just hasn't, there's a lot of teams that are pretty equal, potentially. Uh, who knows? It, it just, I think Caleb Williams was very deserving because, like like Witt said, you pull Caleb Williams off of USC, I don't even think that they would be a playoff contender. I think they would have been a three- or four-loss team without Caleb Williams. With Caleb Williams, they were on the verge of, of making the playoff. So I, I got to give them a lot of credit and him a lot of credit uh, for being a deserving Heisman winner. I just don't think that there should have been four quarterbacks you couldn't tell. You can't tell me that there wasn't one other player that they were like, "Oh yeah, this guy's outstanding enough to be considered amongst the top player in the country." One thing I found very interesting about Caleb Williams winning the Heisman as well um, was the fact that he is the fourth player in a row, besides the two Alabama players, that or let's say fourth player in a row that did not play for Alabama to win the Heisman. Uh, that was Baker Mayfield transferred from Texas Tech. You got Kyler Murray transferred from Texas A&M. You got Joe Burrow transferred from Ohio State. Then you had the two Bama players, and then you get, now you got Caleb Williams who came from Oklahoma. So, obviously, the transfer portal, even back in 2017, was such a huge part of college football nowadays. And as you guys have seen, those that pay attention to social media, the transfer portal is going nuts right now. I mean, it's it's crazier than it's ever been. Um, you got people that I think Josh Pate calls them transfer dippers. Uh, they they dip into the or portal dippers. Uh, they dip into the portal, see what kind of NIL deals they'll get from either their home school or another school outside. Um, and then they come right back or they, they go and take an NIL deal. or um, it's, There's just all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Uh, but the pool of quarterbacks this year, Devin Leary, uh, Grayson McCall, guys like that. I mean, there's just so many guys that could be uh, program-defining uh, transfers. So it's it, it, it's getting a little crazy right now. Yeah, man. I, I think one thing that actually got really overshadowed, and I don't want to I don't want to say overshadowed. I mean, but for one thing that kind of was in the back burner of the news cycle, uh, obviously of the past forty-eight hours with everything going on with with Coach Leach, um, is that Grayson McCall entered the transfer portal. Uh, and I think this is actually going to be probably the most sought after guy. You know, I know there's a lot of guys. I know DJU's out there. I, you know, Devin Leary, uh, Graham Mertz. I can't literally keep up with how many guys are in the transfer portal without it, you know, hurting my brain. But I think Grayson McCall, like with with his history, unless he just follows. Jamie Chadwell to Liberty, which I don't foresee happening. I think Grayson McCall is the biggest name in the transfer portal. Um, and, and I think that if, if you're a program 
in the power five, this is your opportunity to strike with this kid right here. Um, if you want my personal opinion, I think he's probably going to go to NC state with Devin Leary leaving. Um, you know, he's a North Carolina kid. He's from Indian trail, which is outside of Charlotte. Um, and, and I think he'll probably, he's probably more inclined to go home. And I think if, if, if you're looking at the best situation, I, I believe Sam Hartman's also in the transfer portal. I could be wrong. You'll have to check me on that one. But if NC State and Wake Forest uh, are your are your options in North Carolina, I know Chase Bryce is gone, but I can't see him hopping into the same tap state over in the same conference. Uh, Drake May is not leaving UNC. I think NC State's probably going to be where Grayson McCall just slides right in to replace Devin Leary, and that's a very talented team who's not playing in a super tough conference right now. So I think that would be a big move. Um, I personally hope Florida is a suitor for Grayson McCall, but I think this kid's going to have a lot of P5 teams knocking on his door, and, and deservedly so. Apparently the three teams for Grayson McCall, at least on Twitter from what I've seen, has been uh, Liberty, Florida, and Auburn. And uh, and I just got a notification probably like maybe 45 minutes, an hour ago, saying that Grayson McCall is heading to visit Auburn this weekend. Um, so to me, I mean – Hugh Freeze has been going harder after quarterbacks. You can tell. I don't think he's set on uh, Robbie Ashford, which kind of surprises me because I actually thought he played pretty well down the stretch last year, even with Cadillac Williams and nobody really calling an offense. Um, so I, I thought they'd roll with him. He seems like a good fit for Hugh Freeze's system. But Devin Leary's been linked to him. I think Jeff Sims is transferring as well from Georgia Tech. He's been linked to him. Uh, Grace McCall is already going down there to visit. So I'm, there's, there's lots of guys um, that they're looking at and – I would not be shocked if Grace McCall ended up at Auburn. And honestly, I think that'd be a great fit for him, too, with Hugh Freeze. But, yeah, Hugh Freeze has been hitting the recruiting trails really hard. he uh po- been posting the the Twitter the picture on Twitter of him holding the big bass. Uh, it says, whoa, Nelly. And he always does that whenever he's getting a big fish out of the in the, on the recruiting trail. He's he's going – he's hitting it hard. And, you know, he's – Salvaging uh, a pretty good offseason for Auburn so far. Uh, as much crap as a lot of the the Auburn uh, riders and people in Alabama were giving him when they hired him, he's done a really good job. I still think this transfer portal is just bizarre, though, because you are – one thing that I think some players realize is the Alabama last year, they had Javon Baker, who ended up transferring and going to UCF. Uh, this year, Christian Leary ended up transferring. He just admit, uh, committed a day to UCF. I think some guys are getting to schools where they realize, I'm not as good as I was whenever I was in high school, and I could stay here, and I could ride the bench for a couple of years and wait my turn and play the next man up role, or I could go to a school who right now is G5 moving into the P5, going over to, to the Big 12 and probably start right away. And you know, I, that was a great, great idea. Of, I think that's a good element of the transfer portal. The part of it that I still don't like is, you know, where you start seeing these numbers that get thrown out there. And I was reading a – I don't know the validity of it, but there was an MSN article today that was talking about how uh, – Say, and this isn't transfer portal, this is a recruit, but he's going to get $1.8 million to sign and then eight hundred k a year that he plays. That's what Georgia offered. And 
Ohio State, he cho- he was like it had eliminated Ohio State because they couldn't up the annual money to 500k a year. They couldn't match it. That's the era that we are in college football, and I don't blame a lot of these kids for going and dipping their toes and being like, "Hey, give me the money." But we all admit that it's kind of crap that you can do that. I mean, there's got to be some limitations on this. Like even in the NFL. There's contracts. There's limitations. You can't just be like every year. Oh, yep, not gonna play for so and so this year. Go see if somebody else will go give me more money. Like you, you don't get to do that. I just think we need to we need to fix something with college football before it breaks too much. Does Texas A and M have any players left? I think they've sent what twenty to the transfer portal. They've already lost like seven or eight guys from their number one overall recruiting class from last year. And Matt, I was about to bring that up that they, I think they're the team that's seeing the effects of recruiting based on NIL more than anybody else right now. They come in with the best recruiting class of all time on paper, um, and, a, and a lot of it, you know, Jimbo says is not from NIL, but I think we all know and we've read enough to see that it probably was. Um, and then you got guys this year, you know, they ended up going four and eight. A lot of guys ended up not getting to play because they still had some solid talent on the roster. And uh, and now they've got, I think it's nine, eight or nine players from last year's class. I think one or two guys are from 2021 that are in the portal right now. Um, a couple of them have already committed to other teams. A lot of them are on offense as well, which, I mean, they really, really struggled on offense. I mean, they lost Haynes King, too, who's leaving, who good riddance to him if you're Texas A&M, but... The rest of those guys, I mean, those are key pieces. Those are guys you want to grow your program with. And uh, and they're dipping out going, you, you know, I can get money at Tech. I can get money, money at uh, – one of them's going to TCU. I think another one's going to – what is it? Going to Nebraska. I mean, guys are just taking off. I'm sure they're getting money elsewhere. Um, if you're, you know, anybody else in the country, you got to be looking at more like what Kirby Smart and what Nick Saban are doing and – not riding their recruiting off of NIL and more so using it to strengthen their profile while they're on campus um, and less of what Jimbo's doing and saying, hey, come here, we'll pay you $20 million. Or, hey, this booster will pay you $20 million, get you an endorsement deal if you come to us instead of them. Um, well, yeah, so. Den- Denver Harris, the defensive back, yep. the five-star defensive back who played significant time this year for AM. He entered the he entered the transfer portal. And that's a guy who was getting playing time, who was showing that he's a stud, and he, he doesn't want to play there anymore. Yeah, and it's the same with Chris Lane, too. Chris Lane was one of their best receivers this year. Um, he wasn't their best. I mean, that was, you know, uh, what was his name? Chris Stewart, I think. The number one. He he's like one of the top Evan five. Stewart. Evan Stewart, yeah. He was one of the top three receivers from last year's class. He's an absolute stud. I mean, I've heard rumors that he might hit the transfer portal. It's like, I mean, it, they're, they're in a rough situation. I mean, Jimbo's, you know, fighting for his life. He's really going to be fighting for it come next season. Um, obviously, he's still got all that buyout money, so I, I think that's going to help him out down the stretch. But if you're Texas A&M, you're in full-on panic mode right now. Well, you see, and that's that's the part of this that I think that needs to be policed. Like, I'm I'm okay – with getting a one-time free transfer. But other than that, like, it's really not fair. Like, and the teams that I think are suffering the most are these lower these lower power five teams. Like, right. Like, you look at the Big 12. Like, I can look at the Big 12, and I can see Cincinnati 
and UCF and honestly, probably Houston. I don't know about BYU, but I can look at these three teams and think to myself and immediately go, guarantee you they're going to come in and be better than Iowa State right away. Because in the grand scheme of things, with the success that those schools have had at a G5 level and being in the major markets of Orlando, Houston, and Cincinnati that they are, they're going to have the bigger donors and, and bigger alumni bases and the bigger selling point for these kids to be able to to push this NIL. And they're not even major Power 5 teams. But, like, you look at little old Iowa State sitting out in Ames, Iowa, in the bottom half of the Big 12, what can they do? What can they honestly do other than and play with a little bit of local NIL money that they may get from some boosters that that they might have? But, I mean, this is Iowa State. Now, granted, I don't know what Iowa State's situation is firsthand. But at the end of the day, like these teams are suffering and, and it's not fair. And, and, and well, life's not fair, but that, that's not the point I'm making. But it's not fair to be Iowa State. It's not fair to be, I, I don't know, Arizona or, or Vandy or you're, you know, one of these smaller teams like Syracuse and the ACC. It's not fair to go out. And get a kid like if like, like if I'm Syracuse and I rope in a two star kid from in state in New York, right? Kid's a gym, plays as a true freshman, flashes all over the place, makes a name for himself. Why is it fair that Georgia goes, "Hey, come on down here. We'll give you all this money. You'll get solid playing time, and uh, there's no need for you to to stay up there in your home state where you grew up anymore and play for that little old school? Just come on, come on down here." Like I think that's there's got to be some kind of policing to that, and I also think there's got to be some kind of policing to the amount of boosters that are promising this NIL money and where it's coming from, because I'm afraid that some of these kids are going to make a choice to go to a school, like say Auburn. Auburn says, "Hey, I've got seven million dollars for you if you come to Auburn." He comes to Auburn, he gets hurt, or better yet, he's not what they thought he was. And then what? Where's the guarantee that that kid's going to get that $7 million? And these kids are going to end up screwed. So, I mean, I, I, those two things, I, they have to be addressed because it, it's not fair to the kids, and it's not fair to some of the schools. Yeah, there's a lot of changes, I think, that will take place in the next coming years, uh, along with everything else that's going on, college you know, or conference maneuvering and 12-team playoffs and whatnot. But uh, we're going to go ahead and move into our pour one out, cut them off. Matt, who are you pouring one out for? I'm pouring one out this week for Bama Hoops. Second AP number one win. I know that we're a college football podcast, but here I am, uh, you know, talking talking college basketball because Alabama's apparently a basketball school now. Two AP number one wins uh, this season. Uh, we're, we're just an everything school. Uh, let's call it what it is, everything school. Um, two AP number one wins, beat Houston, after falling down by 15 in the second half, comeback win, uh, massive on the road. Nate Oates got the boys in Tuscaloosa playing good basketball, and man, it's been it's been great. Alabama basketball has been fun to watch. Uh, Noah Clowney is going off. I've loved every second that I've watched of Alabama basketball. Uh, I've been a big basketball guy this year. I I have thoroughly enjoyed watching the collegiate hoops. Uh, if you don't like it. Uh, you should check it out. It's actually kind of fun. And then staying with the college hoops thing, I, I'm, I'm uh, cutting off Chris Beard. 
because my God, I have seen bad situations downturn quickly. Very few have I ever seen like this one. Chris Beard has Texas as a one-loss team with one of the best records in college basketball. Great, great uh, upside for them. Left Texas Tech, said Texas was his dream job. He is arrested late Monday night for, or late Sunday, I guess it was early Monday morning. Uh, for strangulation within a third-degree felony uh, assault of a family member in the household. Turns out the police report was released. He was choking his fiance, uh, bitter. She had bruises all over her legs. Uh, she had a scrape from her knee to her leg or to her ankle uh, from where he threw her off the bed and drug her. Like, I'm sorry, there's no excuse for that. And I mean, what 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 could possibly be going through your mind? Uh, he's probably going to be fired. I know he was suspended, but as the litigation process goes on, he's most likely going to be fired. The Texas lawyers are probably just making sure they can pay him uh, or not fire him without having to pay him the rest of his guaranteed contract. And man, it's a it's a real shame for for Texas basketball because they were playing really well, and I don't feel bad for him at all. I hope he rots. So I am going to pour one out this week. Uh, I'm semi kind of pouring one out for keys, but I'm pouring one out for the Rowdy Southern Saturday Stadium Tour. Uh, we have officially checked off the Mid-American Conference off of our, off of our list. Uh, shout out Tuesday Night Maction. Keys went up to Buffalo this weekend and went to the Bills game. Uh, so he got that stadium checked off, but he also got the University of Buffalo Bulls. Uh, who just happened to be playing our very own George Southern Eagles in the Camellia Bowl after Christmas. So pretty cool for uh, Keys to go up there and get on the field and take some pictures of the field being covered in the snow. Um, not the biggest school in the world, obviously not the biggest D1 conference or FBS team, but still checking it off the list. Um, so good on Keys. And uh, like I said, pouring one out for the rowdy Southern Saturdays stadium tour. Uh, UB Stadium in Buffalo, New York. Got it checked off. And I am cutting off Marcus Mariota, you little, little, little person that you are. Um, good Lord. <laughs> Not referring to his height. I'm talking about how little of a man he is, obviously. Now, granted, I'm over-exaggerating a little bit, but, you know... Your performance was not good. Let's be real. I think every Falcons fan, you know, including myself and Wit, will will say straight up, like, your performance all year, it hasn't been good. It's had flashes of being okay, but it's not won us any games. That's for sure, considering we're 5-8, and eight, you know. But, I mean... We announced last week that Desmond Ritter was going to be the starter, announced it during the bye week. As a Falcons fan, I rejoice. Not that I think it's going to be any better down the stretch in these last four games, but it's different, and we've been calling for different all year. Marcus Mariota, one of 20 on the season in passes longer than 30 yards. I mean, he's just been – he hasn't been good, and the team has won in spite of him. And so we announced it last week. 
Um, and then all of a sudden we get a report, I believe it was yesterday, that well, Marcus Mariota, he's no longer with the Falcons. He just leaves the team. I don't know if that means that he's no longer on the roster. I don't know if that means that he's not around the practice facility or, or what that means. I don't know if that means he's just you know, not there right now or if that means he's just not there, period. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's poor. I mean, come on, dude. You're 29 years old. You're a veteran. You've been in the league long enough. Um, you know, you're obviously one of the leaders on the team. You're the quarterback. And as, as much of a long shot as it is, the NFC South is so bad that we're still in it. And so what happens if Desmond Ritter gets hurt? Then what? Then we go into Logan Woodside. We get in the former Alliance of American football quarterback that we just picked up to round out the rest of the year. Like, I mean, again, I don't have expectations, but at least there's possibility. And I know you say your knee is hurt. Didn't look like it all year, buddy. Of course, I don't have all the details, but until I do have all the details, uh, Marcus Mariota, you're cut off for uh, not being a not being a team player. And shout out to uh, Arthur Smith for absolutely roasting Marcus Mariota on that during his press conference today. I'm gonna have to check that out. To you, Wit. <laughs> Keys is gonna go before me this week. We get we want to hear about Buffalo since uh, you talked about it a little bit, Keys. Let's hear about Buffalo. All right. Well, Chad, first of all, you're on to something about the Falcons being cut off. I think that I agree with you. I think I'm now an honorary Bills fan. I've already poured oh, one out for Bills don't Mafia. Don't do that. To, not, not for real. I, I got to okay. be a Falcons all right, fan. All right. You've been in the misery this long. Just stay with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm invested at this point. I poured <laughs> one out for Bills Mafia twice this year already. I'm going to do it again. Buffalo and Bills Mafia. I'm pouring one out for you. Uh, as Chad mentioned, I went up to Buffalo this weekend uh, shout out to my good friend Kira Bliley for hosting me all weekend and setting up an awesome tailgate uh, with some of her friends up there for the Bills game. It was awesome. Hands down. I told Wit, I said, this is one of my top five sports uh, memories for sure. This game was insane. Um, it, was a, it wasn't like ridiculously cold, but there was a little bit of, you know, New York Buffalo weather, a little bit of snow. Um, it was cold enough. You had to layer up, but we had a tailgate. We literally... There's a bunch, like a like a row of houses in front of the stadium, uh, in front of like the stadium parking lot, and all these houses have like carport garages. So like, w she's like, yeah, this is where we're gonna tailgate. And I'm like, this little house like on the side of the road, and you drive through their carport garage into like their backyard farmland, and it's just like rows and rows of cars in these people's backyard. You pay like twenty twenty bucks to park or something, and there's just a giant party in everyone's backyard in this whole road. So that's where we were. We set up, we got some, um, you know, they're grilling some hot dogs and hamburgers and uh, buffalo sausages and all sorts of good stuff up there. Had some Labatt Blue and some Blue Light, which is awesome. I got to to drink some uh, official Buffalo beer. I've had Labatt before. Labatt's it's good. pretty good. It's I'll, very good. I'm going to see if I can get some around I, here. I got a lot of Midwestern friends that are just obsessed with it, so I've, I've, I've had it a couple it times. Was, uh, it, was, it was pretty good stuff. Um, had a few of those, so... Uh, great, great tailgating atmosphere. Also, shout out longtime listener of the podcast and a former teammate of mine, Dominic Workman. Ran to that guy up in Buffalo, too. He was at the game and uh, everywhere I was, apparently. He was at Niagara Falls and everything, too. So uh, shout out Dom. Uh, I know he always lets us know how much he enjoys the show, so we enjoy him, too. But, yeah, this, the game was insane as well. You know, a little slow in the first half. I don't know if you guys watched it. Uh, I, I was probably texting you guys' heads off. 
Mike White went down two or three times in that game, and he just kept getting back up. And they, I was like, is he is he down again? Joe Flacco's in the game. I haven't heard about Joe Flacco in forever. It, great atmosphere for the Bills. Um, hearing the shout chant every time they did anything. Actually, funny story. So I wanted to have a Tyler Bass jersey. You know, we're all Georgia Southern guys. So I wanted the Tyler Bass jersey. Couldn't find one. You know what? Let's lead into my cut him off. I'm going to cut off the Bills Pro Store because I wanted a Tyler Bass jersey more than anything. They would not make me a custom jersey. They did not sell anything Tyler Bass. I was figuring that their uh, special teams player of the month would have at least a T-shirt. There was nothing. There was no kicking Bass shirts. Nothing. Uh, I couldn't find one anywhere in Buffalo. I go on Facebook Marketplace. I found one guy that was selling one, and I went to go pick it up from him. And this guy was also trying to sell us some cannabis products. But I got my jersey. That's all that mattered. So I got out of there, got my jersey, got my knit hat. I was ready for game day. Got it a little dirty, you know, getting a little rowdy at the in the Bills Mafia tailgates. But cutting off the Bills Pro Store for not having anything Tyler Bass, greatest kicker in the United States, uh, only rivaled by Young Way Koo. Another great Georgia Southern player. You know what's funny? I just bought a Young Way Koo jersey, so I have I have a Falcons Young Way Koo jersey. There we go. So we could. God, be, he's gonna he's gonna break his ankle. He probably is. <laughs> oh no, the curse Dude, of yeah, the, my, my jersey curse. But now we we do have a matching uh, Georgia, Georgia Southern player. Jersey, there so. you go. We'll have to get a picture. That'd be cool. Yeah. So anyway, like yeah, kind fantastic. Kind of like twinning, maybe. Fantastic weekend in uh, in, in Buffalo for me, and and up in Toronto, seeing some stadiums up there as well. But I'm going to pass it on over to Wit. Wit, who are you pouring one out for? So I'm actually going to start by pouring one out for a guy that I wish we would have talked about when we were talking about the transfer portal, and that's Cade McNamara. I don't know if you guys saw, he's going to Iowa. He's transferring from Michigan. Uh, started the season as Michigan's starting quarterback uh, at the beginning of this year. And last year, he was the starting quarterback for the entire season. Uh, they did a little bit of switching off, but it was more like a Justin Fields situation where they just had J.J. McCarthy come in and run the ball, and every so often he'd, he'd have a little pass play. But uh, I think J.J. McCarthy is the better quarterback. I think they made the right decision. But I think K. McNamara is a great player. He's going to Iowa. He came out this week, and they asked him, they said, so how do you feel about going to an offense that is just well-known as a QB destroyer? Like, there, There's not many QBs that come out of there and go to the NFL. Um, honestly, for me, the only one I can think of is C.J. Beathard. But um, he came out and said, I don't know why people keep saying that, but I hope they do. He said, I pray the next season people think our offense is going to suck. Um, and I've actually done a little research, too. They're, they've done a pretty good job in the transfer portal and bringing in offensive weapons. They're bringing in Eric All as well, tight end from Michigan. Uh, last year, he was one of their best receiving targets. This year, he had a pretty good year as well. Um, I think he got outshined by some other guys, but he's still really solid. So Iowa coming in sneaky, man. Cade McNamara might come in and surprise some people. And uh, I'm also pouring one out for Brandon Marcello. I just recently uh, found him on Twitter. I knew who he was, but I didn't really keep up with him as much. And uh, that guy puts out news faster and, and, and better than anybody I've ever followed on Twitter. So I actually I started getting notifications from him. So if you see the Rowdy Southern Saturday podcast, uh, Twitter page, Rowdy Pod, at Rowdy Pod, um, it's probably me, and it's probably me retweeting or quoting or just completely copying something that Brandon Marcello has already put out because that I, that's where I'm getting all my news now, and, and, and I uh, hope he continues to do what he's doing because he's doing a great job. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be cutting off surgery because I'm having my wisdom teeth removed Friday, and I am a nervous wreck. Every single second of every day, I have been just 
losing my mind thinking about this surgery. And I don't know why. It, 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 it's really stupid, completely mental. I'm sure it'll be fine. My brother just did it today and came out pain-free. Um, so it's, it's probably not gonna be a big deal, but man, do I hate doctors? I hate surgeries. I hate anything where you got to stick a needle in my arm almost as much as I hate flying. And, uh, and I'm also cutting off Matt because Matt poured one out for Bama hoops. And when we're talking about college football, I don't like that. And I hope you'd ever do it again. You know what? I just hate you. I'll give you Chris Beard. No more college hoops on this podcast in, in, in December, please. <laughs> We can we can talk college hoops come January. <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah, we, I was, was wondering what anyway. he was gonna say. He, he was he's, laughing anyway. He leans over. He's like, "Look what I'm gonna tell Matt." <laughs> Keith, did you go eat at Wing Nuts? So I didn't eat at Wing Nuts. Uh, I completely didn't even mention the the chicken wings. And apparently, if you're in Buffalo, you don't call them buffalo wings. You just call them chicken wings. I got yelled at. Um, Does that mean they just call sauce like sauce? Not that's a good sauce? question. You don't have to bring that up. See, and, and they also I did correct them. I'll get to your two chicken wings in a second. I did correct them because they were all saying pop, and I said okay. I just want to, and, and they said, well, you guys only order Coke, and I said I just want to set the record straight. If I want a Sprite and I say the word Coke and she brings me a Coke, I have no right to be mad. Nobody does that down here. Just wanted to set that straight, and I did, and I let well, them know. Like every everyone, everyone in the South always asks, "What kind of Coke do you have?" It's not what kind of sodas do you have. It's like what kind of Coke do you have? Who does that? I say what kind of sodas. I say sodas. What too. kind of? In, I, they'd heard, be like zero thing. or cherry. Everybody says people in the South say Coke, and everybody in the North say pop, but no one says yeah, soda. I, I'm pretty sure most of the people I know say soda. Yeah, I, I call every. I literally call everything Coke. Maybe that's like a deep South. If thing. you ask somebody what kind of Cokes they have, I would expect to get back zero cherry, vanilla, you know, that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Not, uh, not Sprite. Everything's Coke. Okay. Diet. Everything's Coke. Well, okay, yeah. Matt, you and, you and Chad are from similar areas. They're so. from, they're from Savannah. <laughs> we're, from the, we're, we're from the real South. Y'all are from, y'all are from Atlanta. It's fake South up here. <laughs> and it's, yeah. yeah, this is, we're city boys. We're, we're city boys as you can get in Georgia. I'll, I'll claim hey, that. I'm okay with that. But back to I the. Live in a, I live in a county of 150 thousand people. I am in a city. <laughs> a city. Now you are. Matt, back now to the, back to the chicken wings. Uh, I did. I did not. Where did you say? Where was the wing place? nut? Wing nut. I did not try that one, but I did try um, another one of like the top three. Bar Bill. Uh, went to Bar Bill and got some some wings there, and they were phenomenal. Super smoky. Really good. Uh, really good flavor in the chicken. Uh, it wasn't just the sauce; like the actual chicken itself was good too. The way they they cooked that, so yeah, really really enjoyed the wings. That was really good. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get to our picks and locks of the week. This week we're combining them together. Uh, everybody gets their own lock of the week, and then we have to pick everybody's lock of the week. So, Chad, uh, looks like you're up first, man. What's your lock this week? So my lock of the week this week, I'm picking my very own Florida Gators to lose our bowl game. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna lock. <laughs> I'm gonna lock in uh, Oregon State number fourteen, uh, ranked in the country. Oregon State by ten in the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. Um, let's get real, man. Um, Ventrell Miller's not playing. Uh, Anthony Richardson's not playing. I, there's a whole list of guys who are either sitting out or have entered the transfer portal. Um, now, to be fair, uh, most of the guys that were going into the transfer portal were Dan Mullen guys who, frankly, with the culture that Dan Mullen set, they can all leave. 
as far as I'm concerned. Um, but not having Anthony Richardson, not having our other quarterback who actually had some playing time this year for, but I'm not going to mention why he's no longer with the team. But anyway, with all the, with all the guys that, that we've got going in the transfer portal and the other ones who are sitting out to declare for the draft, I'm just going to, there, there's no way that I can, that I can pick us to win this game. Uh, we, our last two games, we didn't play like we deserved to win another game this season. Um, and frankly, I think for Oregon State, like even with us being six and six, this is huge for them. Like they're nine and three, they're ranked in the top fifteen. They got a chance to have a ten win season. When's the last time Oregon State was relevant? And a win over Florida for them is still a win over Florida. It doesn't matter what our record is. We're we're still a brand name. And for them that's huge. So I'm I'm gonna have to go with the Beavers on this one. I much as I hate to do it, I'll be ready to get this get this year over with and uh Move on to year two under Billy Napier and see see if we can improve. So, yeah, I, originally I had put down that I was going to pick Florida, and then I remembered the whole QB situation, and I was like, yeah, they're they're they don't have anybody to play quarterback, and Oregon State's a pretty good team this year, and I think you know for Oregon State. This is a typical a typical bowl year, but this is a chance for them to build some momentum and and gain some ground in recruiting in the offseason. So for Florida, this is a disappointment. For Oregon State, this is something to look forward to. So I'm gonna go with the Beavers here. I don't see a way that Florida is going to be able to do much offensively. And I don't even know who's going to play quarterback for Florida. Jack um, Miller. But I just I can't – I mean, Oregon State's defense played really, really well. I mean, they they played very dominantly against uh, Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams. You know, they, they held USC to 14 points. So, Florida, uh, that's not, not, not going to be a, a, an ideal matchup for not having a quarterback that's played much. So, I'm going Oregon State. I, you know, honestly, I'm back and forth on this one. Uh, I think Oregon State should win the game. The spread is minus 10 going towards Oregon State. And I think a lot of that has to do with Florida players either opting out or uh, not playing. Like Chad said, I mean, Anthony Richardson not playing, it's huge, um, especially with what happened to their backup quarterback. But Jack Miller coming back for this game, having so much time to prepare, um, coming off the injury. Billy Napier, this being his first bowl game. Um, and I mean, they're. They're six and six. If he loses this game, they go six and seven in his first season. Uh, I think Billy Napier's too good of a coach for them to lose this game. Um, if they had the right players, I, I, spread wise, I think Florida does cover that ten point spread. Uh, but I, I'm going to say Oregon State wins the game. They're playing really well. They're uh, I'm a big fan of their coach. He does a really really good job. He's a guy I think could take a bigger job um, come the next couple of years. Jonathan Smith. He's done a really really good job. So yeah, I'll say Oregon State straight up. I'm going to say Florida with the points. Um, I think it ends up being a pretty close, good game. Uh, SRS distribution, Las Vegas ball. Uh, I think Chad already said that, but either way, very, very interesting. So next game, Matt, I'm going to let you go next, dude. Uh, what is your lock of the week? My lock of the week this this week is the actually the hometown lenders Bahamas Bowl. Between Miami of Ohio and UAB, Matt, are you just is it just island tropical for you all the time? Is that is that is that what your go to always <laughs> is? Hawaii to the Bahamas, Hawaii okay. Bahamas, dude. Every time I think of you, I think of palm trees. Now, so two years ago, I actually made this statement, and I stand by it. The Bahamas Bowl should be so much cooler and higher 
ranked than it is. Like we, every year we put it at the like, oh yeah, we'll just send two bottom of the barrel teams to go spend a week in paradise where they get a bunch of free stuff and they get to hang out in Atlantis and it while we freeze our nuts off up here in North Georgia <laughs> and they just get to go hang out and freaking in the Bahamas. Like, I mean, come on, man. Like you can't tell me that that's not cool. That's a good point. You know, Miami of Ohio is so excited to get down the Bahamas Bowl in the middle of freaking December. Yes. That, like, what a what a perfect place to go. If you're Miami of Ohio, or like you're six and six, and you're playing in the dang Bahamas Bowl in the middle of December. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful treat. Same thing with the Hawaii Bowl. Like every year, it's just some random seven and five and six and six team that wind up in the Hawaii Bowl. Now, but 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 what better destination? If you're a fan, it's like, oh, would you rather go to Boise, Idaho, or the freaking Bahamas? <laughs> Tell me. I would rather play in the Bahamas Bowl than the Boise, Idaho Potato Bowl. Or we love that bowl game. I mean, but <laughs> we we love the bowl game. But I mean, come on. Like, would you rather play in the Camilla Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama, or play in the Bahamas Bowl? I'd in rather play in the Bahamas Bowl no, than the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Screw the playoff. <laughs> That's what I mean. Put, put Georgia like, in the Bahamas Bowl. I'm going, dude. Georgia, Georgia Southern. Put them in the day Bahamas Bowl. I'm going. I'm not going to the Peach Bowl. I would go to the Bahamas Bowl. <laughs> Like whoever whoever determined like the the ranking of bowls vastly understated how great the Bahamas and Hawaii Bowl are because they are the premier destinations of bowl season. There is no better position in the country than being mid level MAC or mid level Conference USA. I don't know why six and six in the Conference USA. You're going to freaking Bahama. Imagine Matt going to watch his team in the Bahama Bowl pre gaming the game at Senior Frogs. <laughs> now that that you know what dangerous. rowdy nation next year we, we have a wager i think i think we've got a wager brewing here oh wow we have our picks every week winner goes to the bahamas bowl Lucy goes to the boise idaho bowl <laughs> and then we talk about our experiences <laughs> hey if wyoming goes to the boy goes to boise you know i'm going that way <laughs> God. Chad will have a great time no matter where Wyoming plays. <laughs> have a great time in Boise, dude. Is the potato Feel bowl it. in at Boise State on the blue field? It's at Albertson Stadium, yes. You they gotta go literally, play on they... blue field in the middle of freaking December? <laughs> in Idaho. <laughs> uh, that sounds awful. Uh, dude, Put Bahamas Bowl should be a playoff game. Can we can – we, <laughs> someone, someone put the – when we get this 12-team playoff – Make the Bahamas Bowl a, a semifinal game. I am curious, though, Matt. Where did they play that game? Is it like a soccer stadium? It's a soccer stadium. Okay. Nassau. It's like a 15,000-seat yeah. stadium in Nassau. No one ever goes. No one ever goes. This, it's so quiet. This is the greatest pick segment we've ever done. We haven't even picked this game yet. <laughs> right, go ahead. Pick the, pick the game. <laughs> Hometown Lenders Bahamas Bowl. You got to pick it. It's. I mean, it's. whenever I said, you know, and I, again – I can't overstate. It's such an underrated game because you're putting crappy teams and and offense to UAB, Miami of Ohio. You you don't deserve to be in Nassau. Good for you. You get to go. Normally they give away really cool prizes like the Bahamas Bowl. Nor normally like a couple years ago, 
uh, I say a couple years ago, it's been more than a couple. They gave out PS4s to both teams. Like both teams got PlayStation 4s when they arrived. It was when PlayStation 4s were, were new. So like not only do you get cool gifts, you also get a, a cool location. And with that being said, UAB 11 point favorites against the Miami of Ohio uh, Red Hawks. I'm taking the Blazers to win this game. Uh, UAB, pretty good team. Uh, obviously, I think some of their uh, shortcomings came from their head coach leaving uh, pretty pretty rapidly in the year, and I don't think it was really expected by the team. But 6-6 six and six is what they finished, and I just think they're a better team than Miami of Ohio uh, overall. And, you know, this will be a great opportunity for – uh, UAB to showcase what they're going to have next year and see what they've got. And they get to go spend a week in paradise. So going for the Blazers here, that's my pick. Uh, I think they're going to cover the spread too. I think they'll, they'll win by more than 11 against Miami of Ohio. Uh, Chad. Oh, that was, that was fantastic, Matt. Thank you for that. If y'all think that was great, wait till me and Matt next week to talk about our favorite Christmas Eve tradition, the, uh, easy post Hawaii bowl. Um, my favorite, Christmas Eve tradition ever. But uh, yeah, hometown lenders, Bahamas Bowl. Listen, UAB, it, if you follow the coaching carousel, Brian Vincent was wanted by the players. They championed for him to get the job. He was the interim coach all year after Bill Clark stepped down in, uh, what was it, June, July for health reasons. Um, like Matt said, great opportunity for is rewarded to both teams for being mediocre all year. Gonna be a week in paradise, and I think that week in paradise, UAB is gonna spend with their interim head coach Brian Vincent one last time, and they are gonna send him out a winner with a winning record, and they are gonna get to fly back from Nassau, Bahamas to Birmingham, Alabama. Winners, and um, I think I think they're gonna play for their coach, and and not only that, I mean UAB averages 441 yards a game. Miami of Ohio only averages 309. UAB's putting up astronomical offensive numbers uh, versus Miami of Ohio, who is just who's just not. So uh, yeah, UAB plays for Brian Vincent, gets their interim head coach a win in his final game, and uh, moves into the new Trent Dilfer era, which starts next year. So uh, wit. Miami of Ohio was seventh in the MAC, and they get to go play in the dang Bahamas Bowl. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> UAB has the nation's leading rusher on their team, Dwayne McBride, um, a guy that I honestly thought should have been up for the Doak Walker Award. He had a really, really good season. I actually got a chance to watch him a couple times. He was phenomenal. I mean, on a team that doesn't really run the ball super well, um, he has a lot of yards after contact. He he was one of the best players in the country, and uh, I think he's going to tear Miami of Ohio to shreds. So I'm going UAB. I think they cover absolutely. Um, and you know, Trent Dilfer takes over next year. He had, did some good things at Lipsum, Lipscomb Academy. It's a high school team up in Nashville. And I actually knew some people that worked with Trent Dilfer and I think he's going to do a lot of really good things there as well and continue to move up the ranks. So UAB, we, uh, we're cheering for you mostly because my brother is in dental school there and he, uh, you know, even though he's in massive debt, he is enjoying himself. So go Blazers. So I'm going to go next with my lock of the week. Uh, so for me, I chose to go with the game that I believe is going to have the best fight. And that is Cincinnati versus Louisville playing in, I think it's called the Fenway Bowl in, at Fenway Stadium. 
The Wasabi Fenway Bowl. The Wasabi Fenway Bowl. I don't know why. You guys are just making these up. I don't know why Wasabi. No, we're not. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And the DollarGeneral.com Wasabi Wasabi Fenway Bowl. We got Cincinnati taking on Louisville. Louisville's head coach, obviously Scott Satterfield, moving over to Cincinnati in the offseason. Louisville bringing in Jeff Brom. Not really sure how that, that all came about. Um, even though, you know, after Luke Fickle left Cincinnati, go up to Wisconsin, lots of moving parts. But, uh, my favorite thing about this game is that both teams are going to be on the same sideline right next to each other, uh, with like a little spacing in between them. I don't know if you guys saw the pictures on social media. Yeah. So now you got Scott Satterfield's new team right next to his old team. And, uh, you, you you know, there's going to be some choice words, but maybe it's not as bad because Louisville got Jeff Brown. And honestly, I think they'd rather have Jeff Brown than Scott Satterfield anyway. They might have even pushed him out. Um, but either way, um, I think Cincinnati wins. Uh, I don't think it's super close. I think Cincinnati's just a better team than Louisville, even without Luke Fickle there. Uh, so I think they win. I think they win by over two touchdowns, like 14, 17 points. Uh, what about you guys? What do you all think about my lock? Man, you you know what's crazy to me is like I I didn't know that Louisville was actually a one point favorite in this game. Um, I don't really, man. This is like this is the biggest toss up of the bowl games I think all day on on Saturday. I think this is without a doubt it's going to be your best matchup. I think it's going to be the best game to watch all day. Um, and it's the unfortunately it's it's the eleven a.m. game, which is. Which kind of sucks that we have to we have to lose it right away, but um, I, I really God this is hard to pick, but I'm gonna have to go Louisville. Louisville, like I said, one point favorite, but and you know I know Scott Satterfield's not coaching in this game for either team, but you've got to know that Louisville is gonna come into that game with a absolute chip on their shoulder because of the fact that you know these guys are gonna look across the way. And they're going to see a group of five team transitioning into a power five conference next year and think to themselves, our coach basically just told us that that program is better than us and that he believes that his ceiling is higher there than it is with us here. And I think that's, I think it's going to fire those kids up, man. I mean, I don't know. I, I really actually want to look into this now that we're, we're picking this game. I want to see what Louisville's coaching staff is going to look like. Um, who's left over? Is anybody going to Cincinnati? This is such a weird dynamic. But, uh, yeah, I, I think for those reasons and those reasons alone, I think Louisville Louisville does not want to lose this game. And I, I'm with Wit. I think you will see some hands thrown in this game. But I'm going with the Cardinals. Matt. Yeah. Uh, so for this, this matchup is going to be interesting. And – the head coach for Louisville is actually Super Bowl MVP, former Super Bowl MVP, Dion Branch, I believe, is who will be the support staff coach. But look, I think if you if you asked me who has more to play for in this game, it's Louisville. Because Cincinnati, I imagine uh, that with Luke Fickle leaving, they're they're even though they're a G five program, nine and three coming off of back to back undefeated seasons until the playoff uh, last year, and then the year before that going undefeated until the uh, bowl game against Georgia. I think that they kind of feel like this is a disappointing season for them, and you know they are going to be picking up the pieces. And while 
Uh, Satterfield's not going to be coaching in that game for Cincinnati. He's not going to be coaching in the game for Louisville either. And him not coaching in the game for Louisville is a bigger deal in my opinion. It's kind of like when Cadillac took over for Auburn. I think Deion Branch is going to bring that energy and let the players be the players. And that's what's going to keep – if they're loose, they're going to win the game. So um, I'm going to go with Louisville to win this game uh, in, in a in – a, basically a pick them if it's a one-point spread. So I'm going to go Louisville. Uh, I do think that I can see it going one of two ways. Louisville wins a close one. Cincinnati blows out Louisville. Uh, I don't think it goes any way other way than that. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch on Saturday, 11 a.m. Uh, great great way to, to, to get Saturday kicked off this week. Well, Keys, our final lock of the week. What about you, my friend? What do you got for us? All right, so for my lock of the week this week, I got to get my fun belt action in there. So we're doing the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl in Orlando, Florida. We got Troy University against UTSA. Uh, UTSA is favored in this game, but Troy is 11 and 2. The Sun Belt has come to fight this year. Got a lot of teams with good records in the Sun Belt this year. A lot of teams moving into the ranks, a lot of upsets. I'm going with Troy to upset UTSA in Orlando. Uh, it'll be a close one, though. I'm going to go one touchdown for Troy. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, I actually, I'm going to go Troy too. They they won the Sun Belt this year. Uh, ended up blowing out Coastal Carolina. Granted, there's a lot going on at Coastal, obviously with uh, Jamie Chadwell leaving and everything. But uh, Troy is playing super well down the stretch. UTSA is a good football team, but I think Troy comes in there and beats the crap out of them. I'm actually going to have to disagree with you guys. Um, and first of all, let me just say the fact that. That this is being played at at three o'clock Friday afternoon is complete bogus. Like it's complete and total bogus. Both these teams are ranked in the top twenty-five, and like they're both eleven and two conference USA and Sun Belt champions. These two teams had phenomenal years. Um, Jeff Trailer, the coach at UTSA, I'm just telling you right now, you need to you need to watch his name. Um, next year when the coaching carousel kind of starts circling back up, if there's any job opening in Texas, specifically one possibly in college station, you know, just nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, keep your eye on him. Um, he's going to be a name. He's been a very successful high school, high school coach in the state of Texas. And he's done extremely well at, at UTSA ever since he's, um, <clears throat> ever since he's come there. Um, John Summerall, great first year at Troy. Absolutely fantastic first year at Troy after leading those Kentucky defenses the past few years. So, but both these guys keep keep your eyes on both both these coaches. Um, that's why I say it's such a robbery that this game is Friday at three o'clock because um, the, these are coaches whose names you're going to want to know. And I think this is probably going to be one of the best G5 matchup games that you have. But I'm riding with UTSA. Uh, UTSA, 486 yards a game, 308 yards through the air. 178 yards on the ground. They just get it done, dude. Their quarterback has a 31 to 7 touchdown to interception ratio. Stats don't lie. Roadrunners, Matt. Yeah, I'm I'm actually going to agree with Chad on this one. Uh I was going to say the same thing. This is one of the better bowl games matchup-wise that we're going to get. And for it to be a Friday 3 o'clock kick is a little bit of a shame. And it's a shame that these two teams didn't get a better bowl game. Um, obviously, I don't think that from a from a 
bold standpoint. I don't think that they would bring – either of them would bring a massive uh, fan following to a much bigger bowl game. But, you know, uh, this is a game that, that I think would be a lot more interesting, uh, you know, say Christmas Eve. Honolulu, uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> eleven and two uh, Troy and eleven and two UTSA. Jeff Trailer, phenomenal head coach. Uh, I, I think that these two teams are both in a stage where they are highly thought of in the Group of Five. Uh, obviously, Troy is a hail mary away from probably, or excuse me, uh, Troy is um, a loss against a team that lost on the Hail Mary away from probably winning the Sun Belt. So really like Troy. I like what they're doing there, what they've done there. Uh, give me UTSA, though, to win this game. I, I, I just think that Jeff Trailer and what he's built there with the Roadrunners is, is impressive. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rowdy Southern Saturday. If you enjoy this episode, please leave a review on our Spotify and Apple Podcasts and follow our social media at RowdyPod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. To finish out today's episode, please enjoy this tribute to Coach Mike Leach with some of our favorite memories of the Pirate. Well, the first thing I want to say is how honored I am to have the opportunity to work for Mississippi State. Um, like any football coach, I've been familiar with this great state and the great players that play here and the pride that exists in this state. And although I will forever be proud and, if I'm not careful, get emotional about my time at Washington State and the opportunity to coach there because I'm very proud of that team and very proud of the Cougs. And I'm excited about this uh, this next step, this next chapter, and to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. Guys, game ball, first career win at Mississippi State. Coach Leach. Yeah! I'll tell you what, Dave, thanks, thanks for I couldn't have got this without you guys. I mean, <laughs> listen, everybody here, even if you played scout team, you did something to beat these guys. It takes a whole week to beat somebody. It takes an entire week to beat somebody. We didn't just beat them today. We beat them all week long. Never forget that. Mike, I'm just wondering where you or anybody else got an actual bandwagon for that video this morning. Well, okay, you, your, your answer is as satisfactory as mine is they found it. And hey, you looking for a bandwagon? Hop on. We wanted to just see how honest Texas was, so we decided to write up a script, a dummy script. The challenge for Leach in the decoy script was to come up with complementary plays to the actual one. So if you're running, a play to the left. You wanted the decoy script to say something was going to the right. One of their GAs is wandering by and, oh, what's this? A piece of paper. He looks at it and his eyes get kind of big and he sort of hides it and looks around to see if anybody saw him get it. And on the second play of the game, the script says double reverse pass. We were trying to get them over there to the left we hit Savage, and everybody was over to the left, and Savage was to the right. Go on first down, Hyper wide open is the freshman Savage. Touchdown, Oklahoma. In the studio tonight with me is Coach Mike Leach, who I guess you think you know a thing or two about weather. Coach, good evening. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing really good, and it's an honor to be here and uh, to do the weather with official equipment because uh, <laughs> generally I get up out of bed and uh, before I get dressed and I walk outside and I go like this and and uh, 
and uh, calculate a few degrees warmer since it's early in the day, and uh, mm -hmm. that's the weather report uh, that I have. And it's been really accurate up to this point, but uh, we'll see how it goes here. All right, Coach, let's get you started in live pinpoint Doppler 1. Take it away, and let's get our forecast from you here on this Thursday. All right, pinpoint Doppler 1 basically means that we're going to be exact in this uh, weather forecast here, and we're going to nail it down perfectly. So over here, we have Mule Shoe. Uh, so those folks in Mule Shoe, you can pretty well go to the bank with what you hear here. Uh, on Friday, we're looking at cooler than normal temperatures, and it's going to be windy, but windy's not all bad because other teams that try to throw the ball don't practice in the wind that we do, so therefore we can pass. They won't be able to, so we like that. 25-mile-an-hour uh, winds, winds are ideal, but uh, maybe higher than that, but we'll still fight through it. Saturday, 71 degrees. Uh, partly cloudy and then for those of you that don't have calendars at home Sunday will be the first day of May and uh, so you might circle that uh, it says fireworks uh, fireworks late so later in the day uh, could be some thunderstorms but you know this is after all West Texas so I wouldn't count on it now on Monday it says bad stuff serious storms well you're gonna be dead in a hundred years anyway live dangerously I would go opposite of that. I mean, that's just too strong, too much. It says bad weather, and the, and, and the, and the, the, the thing on the screen there is just a little too sure of it for my taste. Uh, I, me, personally, expect sun. Go out there, expect sun, have a good time, and uh, if you run into the bad stuff, don't let that hamper your day. Don't be a coward, stay out in it, still enjoy the day. Then the temperatures go back up the remainder of the week, and uh, we got some clouds uh, lurking around there. Who knows what they're going to do? Um, but uh, it'll be extreme one way or the other. It'll probably be hot, or else it'll probably be windy, or who knows, hail. And I actually kind of look forward to hail. My favorite weather pattern happens to be uh, when it rains mud. Dust comes through, rain on top of it, it rains mud. Now, I know that people that have been here for a while don't like that particular phenomenon as well as I do, but think about it. How many times in your life are you actually going to see it rain mud? I love it. I go out there. I look at it. I watch it. Worst thing about it, you have to wash your car. Who cares? It's worth seeing. Trust me. Okay, rest of the week, pretty normal stuff in the 80s, which is great weather. And uh, overall, we have great weather here in Lubbock, Texas. And if you don't believe me, look at the other 80% of the country and... Uh, You'll know what I'm talking about. This weather report here, what do I know? I'm a football coach. <laughs> I suggest you go out and do what I do. Get out of bed, go outside, then you know. Their mascot is just outstanding. I mean, them and Mike the Tiger are by far the best, Matt. I mean, I mean Butch, I mean, uh, uh, Butch is a better uh, a person, a symbol, the whole thing. I'll go with that, okay? But as far as... I mean, that, 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 that Buffalo and, and the Mike the Tie, utterly outstanding. And then it's got the handlers. Um, no, they're not pulling that Buffalo. That Buffalo's pulling them. I mean, you see these kids run beside these Buffaloes, or the Buffalo, and sometimes they'll wipe out or whatever. You know, I grew up in the West. What can you say? I mean, Buffalo, that's one, that's one that's hard to argue with unless you have a live grizzly bear out there or something. That Buffalo goes pretty well wherever he wants. And then... Um, but one time in college, so we're playing uh, Air Force. The Air Force has this Falcon, this trained Falcon. 
And there's the guy's got this whistle. It's, you know, you hear him blowing the, this whistle like crazy. That falcon's getting higher and higher and higher. Pretty soon you can't see that falcon. That falcon just left. Falcon seen all the football he wanted to see that day. Coach, I know you have strong thoughts on weddings. Go elope. Trust me on that. It's a good win. There's a lot of people. It's like Woodstock, except everybody's got their clothes on. You're like, you know, this weird basketball pass. I'll get in trouble for this, I'm certain, but where, where, you know, instead of playing hard and getting a first down and getting a play, then, you know, you want <clears throat> to sit behind a, a, a shade tree, eat a fish sandwich, and uh, drink a lemonade with your fat little girlfriend. Corn. I mean, I completely hate candy corn. Um, uh, when I was a kid, well, gummy bears, let's see. Uh, gummy bears for sure. Sour or regular? Uh, um, the, the, the hair bow. It's got to be the hair bow ones. And then uh, the other thing I like is uh, is when they used to have the, the uh, sprees in a box. Outstanding. You have to go to the dollar store to find it, but I do. And then the latest, the, the latest, you know, there's still candy innovation, although a while back I found that Europe had better candy than we did overall because <laughs> they have gummy everything. And then, uh, but the... Uh, um, the, uh, you know, they have those Nerds Clusters, which is new. With the gummy. Yeah, which is good. The Nerds Clusters is good. And then if you go chocolate, uh, probably Almond Joy. Love it. Hopefully you'll get some of that next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Thanks, Coach. Coach, I got to ask you this. What did you tell your sophomore quarterback with 2.16 left on the clock? March down and score. I mean, you know, it's, uh, yeah, all the A&M uh, tech games, especially up here, are uh, exciting. This was no exception. Glad we were able to win. I really didn't think we played a particularly good second half, and we missed some opportunities the first half, but glad to get out of here with a win. This is a tough place to do it, and, uh, you know, once in a while, a pirate can beat a soldier, you know? Here's Molly with Mike Leach. Coach, what a momentum shift. How huge was that Xavion Thomas touchdown heading into the locker room? Oh, it's big. I mean, every play's important in a game like this. So, uh, yeah. You've been speaking to the officials all night. What's your reaction to some of those calls in the first half? What's your reaction? You're watching the same game I am. <laughs> uh, I think you ought to comment on it, uh, positive or negatively, whatever's running through your mind. Okay, thank you, Coach. Sean, I'll let you. Uh, vintage Mike Leach. I think that uh, answer uh, is an indication of how he feels. We beat those guys. We wanted to play more than they did. You will remember this game the rest of your life. This is a great win for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. You should all be proud. Uh, enjoy it. Have a fantastic uh, time and break. And just remember, we got a lot of work to do, but this is a great win. This is a great win.